hello everyone. Good morning. Good morning. How is everyone doing today? Today it's Wednesday Bible study and um, hey, I'm just so glad you could join us. I'm all out of breath because I've been chasing Poppy around to try to contain her. And uh, yeah, she's a uh, sweet little girl, but she does like to bark. Come on, say hi to everyone. She does like to bark at the postman, don't you? Don't you? Okay, well, she's going to sit quite nice and quiet here. I'm in a different setting today. Normally, I'm in my lounge. Well, today, I'm in Andy's office for the very reason of I'm expecting a package today. And I know Poppy's going to go absolutely ballistic when she hears the... Um, when you hear the postman, aren't you? So you just sit here nice and quiet like this. That's a good girl. All right, well, again, I did not do an advertisement, but you all know, anybody who joins with us knows Wednesday Bible study, and we meet at 10.30, so hey, this is wonderful. Um, also, don't worry if you haven't been with us on this journey, not a problem. You can catch on right where we're at. You don't need to... Um, you don't need to go back and watch all of them or anything like that, okay? Okay, uh, yeah, so here we go. We are in Matthew, and we're in Matthew chapter 8, uh, verses 28 through 34 today, and that will finish Matthew chapter 8 off for us today, uh, which is, um, we're going slow, but you know what? These are gems that we're, um, that we're looking at uh, here in the book of Matthew. These wonderful things and miracles that, that Jesus is performing. Last week he calmed the storm on the Sea of Galilee. Boy, um, I tell you, that one is very personal to me. I absolutely love that one uh, so much, that whole account of um, Jesus calming the storm. Because, like, life is just... There she goes. Stop it, Poppy. Don't you bark. Um, because life's just full of storms. And you know what? Jesus is in our boat. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But today, we're going to talk about something very interesting. If I had done a commercial for this, a little advertisement, I think I would have piqued a lot of interest. Because today, we're going to talk about demons and demon possession. That's right. Oh, even Poppy got excited about that one, didn't you, Poppy? One makes me think that possibly you are a little bit maybe demon-possessed. I don't know. Sorry about that. Okay. Yeah, we're going to be talking about demons and demon possession and how Jesus dealt with this. Okay. Um, why don't we read it? And it's only a few verses because we're going, you know, little bits at a time. It's Matthew chapter 8, and it's verse 28 through 34. So I'm going to read that. And in my Bible, it's entitled, Two Demon-Possessed Men Healed. Praise the Lord. All right. When he, that is Jesus, when he had come to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes, in some Bibles this will be the Gadarenes, um, it's a, apparently in the margin of my Bible that is just another name for the Gadarenes, okay? Gadarene, the Gadarene countryside. Okay, so when he had come to the country of the Gadarenes, there met him two demon-possessed men. Coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before our time? I absolutely love that, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Now a good way off from there was a herd of many swine feeding. Hmm. All right. So the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. Oh, 
I love that. Jesus says one word, go. That's it. In my Bible, the red letter edition, that is the only word in that whole section that is read. Jesus saying, go. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine. And suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. Oh my, my, my. Then those who kept them, kept them, the keepers of the swine, those who kept them fled and they went away into the city and told everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. The whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him, they begged him to depart from their region. Let's look into this because this is super, super interesting. Okay, so last week we're on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus and his disciples, big storm hits. They're freaking out. They're scared. Jesus says, why do you have no faith? Because they've just seen all these miracles that Jesus did. So where was their faith? And anyway, Jesus calms the storm. And at the end of that, that bit ends with it, them saying, so the men, meaning the disciples in the boat with Jesus, marveled saying, who can this be? that even the winds and the sea obey him. And we talked about it last week, that that pointed what Jesus did to some references in the Psalms where God himself calms the storm and has, has mastery over creation, mastery over the storms on the sea. So Jesus was saying it without saying the actual, like, hey guys, I am God. He was saying to them through his actions where they would have heard that Psalm many times probably. Um, and, and, they needed to put two and two together and say, okay, calming the storm, God calms the storm, okay, he's God, all right? So they're marveling at the end of this and realizing Jesus is not just some guy. He's not just some teacher, some rabbi. He's actually God. All right, so this is where we're at. They finally get to the other side and they reach this place in the countryside called the Gadareans. And some, like I said, it has another name, the Gergesenes. Um, and there's another name even called the Gerasenes. Um, I believe they are all the same place. They are all according to the, um, you know, when I read the commentaries and things. Okay, so it's, it's the same. So they've reached the other side of the Sea of Galilee. The storm and all that, just over now. They've just come through that miracle, all right? Um, and we, uh, immediately, it says that there are two demon-possessed, in Matthew, it says there are two, two demon-possessed men. Meet them! <laughs> Uh, only Jesus, right? Meet these two demon-possessed guys. Um, and, and in other Gospels, this account is spoken of, and it's spoken of as one demon-possessed man. Um, it, it's not wrong. What, what the commentaries say, and what theologians believe, is that of the two men, one of them, they both get healed, one of them then wants to follow Jesus at the end of it. He's so touched by what happened. Um, the other one they don't speak of again after that. So it seems like the other writers of the Gospels decided to take uh, the account of just the one man speak of him since what happened to him uh, had such a significant um, happening in his heart. So they, they spoke about him, okay? Okay, so he's greeted though by two demon-possessed men and... Um, 
like I said, they're both healed. One of them, it goes on to say how this miracle, uh, how this, this freedom that he now had how affected his life. Okay, um, so they're, they're here. They're greeted by these two demoniacs. That's what it's called in some Bibles, the healing of the two demoniacs because they're filled with demons. Okay, so how did they present as demoniacs? How did we know these two guys were filled with demons? How do we know? How, how does it say? Okay, one, they're coming out of the tombs, all right? People don't live in tombs, not normal people who don't have demons, okay? So these guys are coming out of the tombs. What does that say about the devil? If, if, it's, if they are demonically possessed, this d demon is causing them to live amongst the tombs, amongst the dead. What does that say about the devil? I think we know, because we know the devil is a bad dude. We know he, he's the epitome of all evil, isn't he? Um, it, says, it says what it says. The devil is about death, isn't he? Kill, steal, destroy. He's all about death. And symbolically and in every way, he is about death. So he's causing these people, these human beings, who should be with their families, with their friends, in a community, you know? They don't need to be living in some posh castle. They could just be living in a lovely little normal home right there in the Gadarene countryside with someone they love, their family, right? But no, the devil's filling them up. However that happened, we don't know. It doesn't say how they became demoniacs. We, um, we don't know how the devil makes entrance into a life, but I, I think we can gather that something happened in their life and they were filled with demons, okay? And it's causing them to live amongst the tombs. That's number one, how they present as a demoniac. Number two, I believe that the devil loves to be, uh, you know, he's using the opportunity. So imagine all the townspeople, these two men are demoniacs, they're filled with demons, and they live amongst the tomb. This is freaking out the neighborhood. And that's what the devil wants. He wants to freak out the neighborhood. He wants to freak out everyone and make him think that he's so big and so scary and, and, and make the situation even worse than it is. So they're living amongst the tombs and like, you know, they probably were local legends, you know, like the guys who live in the tombs filled with demons so that people would be afraid. They wanted not just the two demon possessed men to be demon possessed, but he wanted everyone to be in fear. Okay. Um, also, he wants, Satan knows that human beings, all human beings are made in the image and the likeness of God. And wouldn't it bring the devil just absolute joy to know that he's taking a human being made in the image of God and causing them to live amongst the dead, where, where people shouldn't be, in a low state of life, you know? And that's what he wants to do. He wants to take what God has made in his image, those whom God loves, because God loves everyone, for God so loved the world, and take those and bring them as low as he can in this life. Okay. It also says in those scriptures that these two men came to greet Jesus and they were excessively fierce. What does that mean? They're showing some kind of um, excessive, uncontrollable behavior. Scary. Um, maybe excessively strong. Maybe ripping things out of the ground, stumps and throwing them around. Who knows? Frothing at the mouth. Who knows? It, was, it just says that they were fierce, excessively fierce. So we're knowing that they're showing behavior that is weird excessive, not good, and uh, fierce, meaning it looks like they're trying to show that they could hurt someone, that they could hurt Jesus, as if, right? Okay, number four, um, what they, these de demoniacs being uh, 
you know, influenced by the demons and then what they're crying out and screaming out indicates that they're possessed. They're crying out, Jesus, Son of God, you know, what have we to do with you? You know, what they're saying is very anti-God, is very mocking. Um, and, and this is what's interesting. We ended the la last week with the, with the disciples who had spent time with Jesus and watched him and had, had watched him perform miracles. And, and at the end of that, they say, so the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the wind and the waves obey him? Were these demons, they're wondering who this man is. Where these demons knew exactly who he was. In the spiritual realm, there was no question that Jesus was the Son of God, and they knew it. And they cried out and they said, Son of God, what have we to do with you? Meaning, get, get away from us. We have nothing to do with you. Leave us alone. You know, get out of here, Jesus. We don't have anything to do with you. Um, and so they're very keenly aware who Jesus is. And... They also cry out this other statement, which is, oh, this is the one that I said I love. Um, it says, uh, oh, um, have you come here, and the demons are talking to Jesus, have you come here to torment us before our time? Meaning they know their fate. They know what's going to happen in the book of Revelation. How do they know that? Because the prophets spoke about it. Because in the beginning... Um, one of the, the, what God had spoken to, to the serpent in the Garden of Eden, he said to him, he said, listen, devil, for what you have done and the evil you've caused, um, the seed of the woman, the woman is going to have a child, and yeah, you're going to bruise his heel, but he is going to crush your head. And the devil knew that, and he knew that there would come, and these demons know that the end of their life is going to be torment eternally. And they know it, and they want to do as much damage um, until that day comes. They want to do everything they can to disrupt the plans of God, disrupt the people of God, disrupt the earth, all people. Um, and they know their fate. Isn't that amazing that they know it, and yet they do what they do? Not very wise. Okay. So they're aware of scripture. Okay, so these are some ways that we know that these are the demoniacs and that it is demons and that it is these men being influenced by something that is not their own will, their own heart. They are filled with demons. Okay. What, what do they mean when they say, um, Son of God, what have we to do with you? I love this. They're telling Jesus, leave us alone. This has nothing to do with you. You know, they're doing their utmost to try to um, get rid of Jesus. And Jesus is not going anywhere. Um, also, let me put it this way. They also knew it was demoniacs because the locals knew that the, these guys were demoniacs. They knew they were not normal. And they put it down to demon possession, which we know is to be true from this. So even the locals who lived amongst them knew something was not right. You know, sometimes we meet people. There are people with, with demons today. Okay, there are. This is not just in biblical times. There are demons. They want to be uh, inhabiting humans, and, um, and it happens today. And, you know, sometimes we need to take a prompt from the people in these very sad, demonically possessed people that they know something is not right with their loved one, with their friend. And, you know, uh, we've had people come to us at Family Church and say, listen, my child is not right this is the behavior. This is what's happening. Can you help me? Okay? So we need to take a little prompt from the person who lives amongst 
the one who's, who they believe is demon-possessed, okay? I mean, it is, it is, um, we can't just assume everything is a demon. You have to take it case by case, okay? What is a demon? What even is a demon? Okay, a demon is a fallen angel. You know, this is, this is biblical. This is from the Bible, and I'll give you some of the accounts. When Satan, who was the very highest angel made by God, beautiful, he it speaks of him as being beautiful and filled with light. Um, he rebelled against God. Uh, he wanted to be like God. There's a whole account of him. I believe it's in the book of Isaiah. Yes, it is in the book of Isaiah, where he is filled with pride and he wants to, he wants to be like God, be like the Most High. Okay. But not in a good way, be like God, like, I want to be more like you, Jesus. Not like that, like, I want to take your place and kick you off the throne kind of thing, okay? Pride. So he was the very highest angel. And when he fell, he took a large number of the other angels with him in rebellion. I'm going to read this to you in Isaiah chapter 14, at verse, verses 12 through 14. There's another one. I'm not going to read it to you. It's in the book of Revelation. If you're taking notes, it's Revelation 12, 3 and 4. I'm going to read the one from Isaiah because it's a lot more clear. So let me read that to you. How have you fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn? You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the, above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. He was cast down for his pride and for his rebellion. Okay, when his rebellion failed, him and the, the angels who fell, they were cast out of heaven. Um, now those angels are demons, and Satan is the head of the demons, and demons torment and harass people and lead them away from God and his truth. I'm going to read you one account, but there are many accounts. I'm going to read you one in the book of Acts, Acts 13, 8 through 11. This is just so you have an example of what I mean by he comes and he uses people and he harasses people. Okay, Acts 13, 8 through 11. But Elamas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them, meaning he opposed Paul and he opposed the, um, the ones who were preaching Christ. He opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time and not even able to see the light of the sun. This man, Elamas, was amongst all the people listening, and he, he had some clout, this man. His name means sorcerer, so he was someone who knew um, spiritual powers that were not holy spiritual powers. They were um, ungodly, demonic, okay? And he was filled with demons, according to Paul. And what did he do because of his demon infestation that he had? That he tried to turn people away from the faith. He was filled with deceit, tried to deceive people. He was filled with trickery, you know, trying to bend the truth and make them, you know, just like he did with Eve, right? He tried to bend the truth with Eve and say, oh, did he really say you're going to die, Eve? And you know what? Yes, yes, that's what he really said. That's what she should have responded. Okay, 
So there is conflict in the invisible world that we can't see between God's loyal messengers, angels, um, and the demonic host. So there's a clash between them. And the Bible says that we, we, human beings, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. That the, the troubles we come at in life, we often think, oh, it's in my flesh, it's in the natural. You know, uh, family members are acting up this way because this is just the way it is in this life. And, you know, we live in a world that, and, and my body is being sick and I'm being harassed with anxiety and fear. It just comes, it's, it's natural, it's normal, okay? But you know what? The Bible says that all of these evils have their root in demonic powers. Now, that does not mean that all of us are filled with demons. Please do not think that we are all filled with demons and that every time you have a harassment in your life, you're filled with a demon. That is not the case. But the source of all evil is demonic. It is. The source of everything has a root in evil. So the Bible says that the things we wrestle again are more against are more spiritual than natural. You know, and this could even mean that the sins that we find diff too difficult to avoid and we're, we're being plagued by this, you know, habitual sins that we just can't rid ourselves, maybe illnesses or problems that can be expressions of demonic activity in a person's life. It can be. Let me read to you Ephesians 6, 11 through 13, okay? This is a famous chapter, Ephesians 6, which, which speaks about the putting on the full armor of God, okay? So that we can be protected against the wiles of the devil. Uh, listen to this, Ephesians 6, 11 through 13. Well, put on the full armor of God so that you can make your stand against the devil's schemes. He has schemes against us. For our struggle is not, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, and the powers of this world's darkness, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That means in the, in the place we cannot see, you know, that invisible realm. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, it doesn't say if because we all experience evil in this life, don't we? You will be able to stand your ground and having done everything to stand, you will stand, okay? Um, here's a question. So it all sounds scary. There's a whole demonic realm. There's a realm we can't see. There's these evil things that harass human beings. Should we be scared and afraid of the devils and the demons if we are spirit-filled Christians? Should we? The answer is no, emphatically no. But the Bible does say that as Christians, we still need to be aware, aware. Let's read 2 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11. It says, now Paul here in this, in this scripture right here that I'm going to read to you, is, is talking about a particular case he's involved with in a church with some people um, where he has the option to not forgive. If, if he wants, you can forgive and do what God wants you to do, which is forgive, or hold a grudge, be unforgiving. Paul, in this case, is choosing to forgive. And you'll see what happens, why he chooses forgiveness. Listen. Uh, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. So you see, Paul is speaking of being aware 
of the devil's schemes that you know he's a liar you know he, he's going to try to get in make his way into a situation make his way into your family make his way into your workplace into your thought processes into everything he's he's looking for a way in and paul said i'm not going to give him a way in i'm not going to make i'm not going to be disobedient to god god always knows best what does god say god says don't hold a grudge forgive forgive do they whether they deserve it or not Forgive. And Paul says, because I know the schemes of the devil, I'm going to choose forgiveness. So the devil cannot find a way into this situation and therefore outwit us. Isn't that amazing? It's so clear right there that when we're obedient to God and do things God's way, it makes it more difficult for the devil. It may be impossible for the devil to get into a situation. And that's what we want. And that's why obedience God's not just saying, obey me because I'm God and I must demand obedience. He has the right to do that. But, you know, obedience to the things that God says that we should, should be obedient to do, the things that he lays out in the Bible for us to do, are more for our good than for his good. You see, God has no problem with the devil. This is what God does with the devil. See, let's say the devil's sitting right there and this is God. It's not a problem for God, but it is a problem for us who are weak. He's stronger than us. The devil's an angel. Angels are stronger than us. He's a demonically, you know, he's, he's a demon. He's a bad angel. But he's stronger than us. But we don't need to be afraid. If we are in Christ, a spirit-filled Christian, do not be afraid of him because you are in Christ. So when the devil looks at you, what does he see? He sees that you are in Christ who is stronger than him. As long as we remain in Christ, it doesn't matter how weak we are, how what troubles we have in our life, the things that we are just mere meek flesh because we are in Christ who is the strong one, who is the conqueror, who is the one who is victorious. And that's what the devil sees. Remember, the devil looked and knew that Je who Jesus was. He's like, Jesus, son of God, what do I have to do to you? What do I have to do with you? That's what he, what he sees when he sees us in Christ. He looks at you and says, I don't want to mess with that one. He's in Christ. Christ is, you know, the strong one. I don't want to go to him to torment me before my time. Because that's right. He's going to be tormented and he knows it. As long as we are Christians who are spirit-filled, spirit-filled, there's no room for the devil in us. You see, God is not going to share his temple with the devil. So if you are a spirit-filled Christian, you have no demon in you. Okay? You have no demon in you. And as long as you are being obedient to Christ, you are not making a way for the devil to get into your situation and, as Paul says, outwit us because we're not unaware of his schemes. We know he's a schemer and we know he's looking for a way in. Don't give him a way. Let's be obedient to everything God is asking. Okay? Okay. Uh, so we know that Satan's a liar, he's a deceiver. The scripture says that he also uh, masquerades as an angel of light. Okay, should we be afraid of that? That he comes as, you know, why do people fall for the schemes of the devil? Because they don't seem that bad in the moment. They actually seem possibly, possibly good. Think again about Eve in the garden. He comes to her and he's this serpent, right? And he says, hmm... Did God really say that you're going to die? Did he really say that so she had to rethink? Did he say that? Maybe not. Maybe that's not what he meant. Um, and, then, and then also the devil made it seem beautiful because it seemed like, you know, your eyes are going to be opened to Eve. You're going to know good and evil. 
You're going to be like the Most High. And that's what the devil's... This is what he's always trying to be like, the Most High. And he's saying to Eve, don't you want to be like God? Like the Most High? You see, God never wanted us to know anything of evil. He wanted us just to have the tree of life. Not the tree of good and evil. God wanted us to have a good life with no, not touched by evil. But Eve, in her silliness, being deceived, the devil made it seem like a good option, and she took it. He masqueraded as an angel of light. But we don't fall for his things that he says, because yes, you see, if Eve had said to the devil right then and there, yes, serpent, that is exactly what God said. God said, if I touch of that thing and I eat it, that I shall surely die. And if she should have said the conversation's over and walked away, she would have had a different outcome. Possibly us too. Hmm. I don't know. Yes, she would have had a different outcome. Had she just obeyed God, you know, used the words of God to come back at the devil and answer him with what God actually said. Okay? She would have shut down the lie. And that is how a Christian, um, it says... Um, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That is why we do not need to be afraid of, the, of demons as Christians, because we have the option of... Unsaved people can be filled with demons. Christians who are filled with the Holy Spirit will not be filled with demons. Um, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. But we have the opportunity that when he comes to harass us, because he does that, doesn't he? Harass and oppress, but he does that from the outside. Um, that we can resist him. And that is what it, we are called to do as Christians. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But how do you resist the devil? You resist the devil by coming at him with truth. With truth. And it says in the scripture that the truth, the sword of the spirit, the word, which is the word of God, is the truth. And when we come at him with that sword of the spirit, we speak out those words against those lies that that is how we resist the devil. Okay, we're coming to a close here because I'm going to keep this kind of keep this short today. Okay. Um, okay. And in the Bible, we need to know this to back up what I have said that that Christians cannot be filled with demons. There is not one account in the whole of the New Testament that deals with spiritual warfare against um, of casting out a demon. From a believer. There's not even one account. Every demonic thing that was cast out was cast out of an unbeliever. Someone who did not know Jesus. But again I say, the devil is going to try to look for a, a, a foothold in even a Christian situation. He's going to look for, hey, they're being disobedient here. I can get in. I can start lying. I can start doing this. You know, that is a way that the devil will try to get in. But he can't get in you, inside you. That is something that we can be assured of as a born-again Christian filled with the Holy Spirit. But don't let him into your situations by disobedience. Let us be obedient to him, to the Lord. And in always not give the devil a foothold, okay? Okay. Now, why did he... I'm going to end... Uh, getting close to the end. Why did, he, why did he go into the pigs? Why did the, 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 the demons want to go into pigs? It's, it's just... We don't, don't understand this, right? I don't 100% know. Theologians don't 100% know. But they have guessed and they have come to some conclusions. Number one, 
Jesus allowed them to go into the pigs because he knew the demons would drive the pigs to their death. And Jesus wanted the onlookers to see. Look at the end that the devil wanted to bring to these men that I saved them from. The, the, devil, uh, the pigs just went berserk and ran over the hill and died. That's what the devil wanted to do to those men. Kill them. Because what does the devil do? Kill, steal, destroy. So he wanted them to see what the devil has in store for those who, who he wants to inhabit. That A terrible end. That's what he has for those people. So Jesus wanted them to see what he saved these men from. Another possible reason why the pigs, why they went into the pigs, um, was to show that these are indeed demons I'm casting out. Look, pigs being calm, being pigs, just rolling in the mud, having a good old time. I cast the demon out of the men. And immediately goes into the pigs. You saw that that whole, you heard the whole conversation between the demons and Jesus. Went into the pigs. Then you see the pigs go berserk and change behavior and run over the hill. It was obviously demons. And Jesus wanted everyone to know this because we can't see spiritual things, can we? But we can see the effect of spiritual things. And that's what he wanted them to see. Okay, third, the devils may have wanted to go into the pigs because they could destroy the pigs. Everybody saw that Jesus caused this to happen. Jesus allowed the, to go into pigs and, and destroy someone's property. And the devils were like, yeah, let's do this. And then everyone will be mad at Jesus and reject him. And they were mad at Jesus, the onlookers. The whole town came out. They were mad at Jesus and they wanted to get rid of him. And they begged him to leave because they were afraid. And also because somebody lost a lot of business that day. But two men's lives were absolutely saved. And the sad thing is, it seemed like... These people were more afraid that these men were normal, sitting upright, having normal conversations. Not, you know, they, they were okay. Even one of them in another account, in one of the other, other gospels, wants to follow Jesus. He wants to be, and Jesus um, ends up saying, no, you need to stay here and be, be an evangelist right here in your own town and tell everyone what I did for you. Anyway, it seemed like these people of the town cared more about those pigs and the business that they brought than these two lost men coming to God and being swept clean and, 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 and coming to follow, be, become followers of Jesus. You know, sometimes people are going to be upset when God sets people free, people who don't understand, people who are not spiritually minded, and they see God moving and people getting free, and they're more upset about what's happening, that people are lifting their hands, that people are crying tears of gratefulness, and it's all just a little bit too weird for them, but that people are getting free. Sometimes people are not going to understand how God moves, and, the, and they're going to be more upset by the freedom that happens, or not, not look at freedom that happens. Poppy, stop it. And they're going to um, just, just think about the weirdness, this, the unusual behavior. Okay, stop it. We're gonna, ending right there. What, Poppy's telling me it's time to end now, and it is time to end. Anyway, you know, today we got to talk about demons and demon possession and all of that. And I just want to say, if you are born again Christian, do not be afraid of the devil. Resist him. You've got the power of God, and you are in Christ, and there is no fear. If you encounter people with demons, it's a case-by-case -case thing. You may not want to cast the demons out of somebody just out there in the street that you don't know, that you know they're filled with demons. 
only because the scripture does say that what happens when you cast demons out is it gets all swept clean. But if it is not then filled, the, the, the human being, with the Holy Spirit, that the devil might come back and bring friends, demonic friends, you know what I mean? And just he'll be worse off than he was in the beginning, the Bible says. So it's more a case of when you see somebody, let's say they come to you and you're praying with them and you notice unusual behavior and you do cast a demon out, but then you can then lead that person to Jesus, get them filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they will be free and free indeed. And um, that, so it is a case-by-case -case thing. I know this, could, this is the kind of conversation that can produce a lot more questions, but we're going to end right there today. Um, and that was just an amazing account to show that Jesus is not afraid of the devil. We don't need to be afraid of the devil. We're coming, we're in the month of October. You're going to see a lot of stuff about Halloween and devils and demons and masks in all the shops and scary things. And people might try to scare you with, oh, the devil and this and that. Yes, he's strong, but God is stronger. And the devil knows his end. And it's a terrible end that the devil will have. And we are victorious in Christ. And our end is amazing. And we're going to go to eternal glory and live with the Lord uh, forever and he's going to be the devil's going to be in eternal torment so hey there that's the end of the devil you do not need to be afraid of him just be aware of him and his schemes remain in truth and be obedient to jesus we're going to end there have a great day god bless you be strong in the lord and the power of his might because he's mighty and you are in christ have a great week bye